You're listening to The Better Man Podcast, becoming life-giving men together. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to The Better Man Podcast. My name is Adam Tarno. Joined today by Chris Harper. Chris, um, that old documentary, Grizzly Man, did you ever watch it? Yes. So it's tragic. It was, right? It was fascinating and tragic at the same time. So this man was spending large chunks of the year up in Alaska yeah. hanging out with the Grizzlies, and he was filming himself a lot and some really interesting footage. Sure. Uh, a guy who certainly was exhibiting a lot of courage moving forward despite fear. Right. Uh, and then, unfortunately, like the, the reason it's a tragic story is because the he ended up dying, right? The bears killed him. Sure. And so, at some point, because we got to know this guy through the documentary, we're like, oh, my gosh. But then it's another point. We're not doing this to be silly. It's like, that's what bears do. Yeah. Right? And yeah. So, so we... I, we can't be surprised in right, some ways, right? right? I, I don't know what was more tragic, and and again, I, not to not to belittle this, but I don't know what was more tragic: the fact that the bears killed him, or that we were shocked yes. that the bears killed that's him. That's right. Like, yeah, that's what bears do. That's what bears do, right? And didn't that happen with Siegfried and Roy right out in in Vegas? That the they took a tiger on stage Absolutely. as part of their act, and then one day the tiger attacked, which is kind of on brand for the tiger and the bear <laughs> to do that kind of stuff, right? And and we start with that because in some ways, um, you know, we are playing with bears, all of us, right? As every men day. or women, every day, we're out in the wild, we're playing with wild animals, and this wild animal is a sin, right? It's sin. And for some of us, it's like, you know, well, it's not doing much. It's like the cute little baby bear or baby tiger, you know? it's It feels tame, and it feels... but. But eventually, these things grow to be massive uh, grizzlies and full-size tigers, and they're going to take us out, right? And and so today, what we want to talk about is uh, how can we wake up a little bit to this this battle that we're in? If we're going to switch analogies here, maybe this war that we're in uh, as we try to battle against sin, and then how can we have courage to fight against this? And so, as you're going around and continue to uh, meet with men and talk to men. Uh, you know, is there are there, are you still meeting men that are surprised that we're in this battle, right? That that don't even know, haven't really maybe even uh, awoken to this reality that we're in this fight against sin. Absolutely. So we're still in the aftermath of what I call easy believism. So easy believism was this movement in the seventies and eighties into the early nineties where you could just kind of accept Jesus as Savior but never really submit to him as Lord. So you just, quote-unquote, believed and then went and lived however you want to live, right? So the aftermath of that is um, a lot of professing believers, a lot of men, they don't even realize that they're in a war. And I think the word you used, Adam, is great. I mean, that's the way Jesus described it. It's the way the Scripture describes it. Like, there is a war going on, not just us against, like, Satan and and sin and self, but, like, there's this internal war between the old man and the new man going on in every believer. That's right. That's right. And so uh, this is a fight, right? We are We are out in the wild. Grizzlies are everywhere. Tigers are everywhere. They're coming after us. And if we want to not ascribe to this easy believism, but just recognize, all right, there's something that that we can do in the midst of this battle uh, as we're pursuing holiness and trying to get to know God more. Um, there's some great things that we can do to to fight this battle. But but this wrestling between the old man and the new man, you shared an illustration of what you try to do every morning 
uh, with the old man. Talk Absolutely. about that because I think it's helpful. Absolutely. I, I tell people all the time, um, every morning, Chris Harper has to wake up and he has to drown the old man of death because he's mm. still there. Yeah. The problem is he's a hell of a swimmer. <laughs> right? right. Like yeah. Michael Phelps level. Yeah. Or David Blaine, right? <laughs> Who held his breath for 17 minutes. You're like, gosh, you're better than Blaine. You, can, right. you could get an HBO special. <laughs> I didn't even know you were there. There you are again. Yeah. Right? So we got we to gotta wake up. And I think it was John Owen, the Puritan, who said that you best be killing sin because sin is killing you. Uh, like there's no neutrality in the Christian life. Um, uh, and a lot of people, they live in neutral. And, and we've got to wake up and recognize, man, every day is a fight. Like, like killing sin and progressing towards holiness or what we would call sanctification, bro, that's not easy. Like it is a, it is a uphill climb, and most people are bringing a downhill effort. And that's a problem. <laughs> that's a yeah. problem. Okay, so if we want to start to do something about this, right? We do, all right, we're waking up to this. All right, uh, yeah, this this puts some language to my experience. Or there's a, probably a lot listening that are, are that are just pounding on the dashboard right now going, amen, right? That's I it. recognize I'm in the battle. That's right. Uh, I just feel like I'm losing. Uh, so what would you say to some men that are saying, I want I either, I want to start to fight this, or listen, I'm so discouraged, please encourage me to stay in this fight. Uh, what are some things we can do as men? Man, I love that. So first of all, know that the war has been won in Christ, but you're going to lose some battles. You're going to lose some battles. I'm not a, I'm not a second-level holiness guy. I don't prescribe to that thought that we can reach perfect sanctification this side of heaven. Um, largely, I just think that's bad theology. I think if we could do that, there would be no need of Jesus, right? He is the only one that was sinless. You and I are not sinless before Christ. We're not going to be sinless after Christ. We'll be sinless one day when we're with Christ, looking at him face to face. So so know that, that as a man, even though you're striving towards perfection, what we want is progress. And in the progress, you're going to lose some battles. Man, you're going to succumb to sin. It's going to happen. The question is, what do you do when that happens? If you know there's a battle that you're going to lose, or you recognize, man, I lost that battle, the question becomes, what's your response? And this is how I think genuine Christians and people who are running after King Jesus, courageous men, how we should respond. First, we respond by acknowledging we've sinned. (laughs) Call it what it is. Call it, it what it is. It wasn't a bad day. That's right. It wasn't um, just a little slip up. A it mistake. wasn't a little error. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't, a, you know, it, it, I could have done better. Lack of judgment. Yeah. Right. No, this is this is sin. This is treason. Can, can I use some strong language? This is treason against a holy God. That's what it is. And when you start to feel the gravity of that, the weight of that, easy believism is impossible, yeah. right? Because you have committed treason against a holy God. You have... You have taken the grace that Jesus has shown you on the cross, and you've cheapened it with your sin. Yeah. And again, we're not saying that or using that language to make somebody start to feel guilty, because there's somebody listening to this right now. They had, a, they had a really bad night last night, right? And so we're not trying to heap shame on you. Uh, it is like leaders define reality, and this is reality, and we need to feel some of that conviction, 2 Corinthians 7, right, that will lead us towards repentance, not that worldly conviction that's going to uh, ultimately kill us, but that language is appropriate. It is appropriate, because if you don't use that language, 
you'll think the grizzly bear is just something to cuddle with, yeah. right? And it's never uh, ultimately what happens is you believe it's never going to kill you. Yep. Right. Yeah, and you can me. manage it. Yeah. I mean, that's what Grizzly Man thought, right? Yeah. I'm just going to manage these bears. That's what that's what the Vegas Act thought. We're, we're we're managing these tigers. No, no, the tigers have been managing you all along. Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah, their grace has been really unusual uh, for uh, for an extended period of time. Exactly. And so they're going to show it. Yeah. So so I think I think first you you acknowledge the fact, man, I've sinned against the holy God. Secondly, man, you confess it. You have to vocalize it, and whether that's whether that's just vocalizing with God, because I think there are some things that are just between you and God, or it's going to a person, it's going to an individual, it's going to individuals whom you've sinned against, and and confessing and saying, "Hey, listen, man, I've sinned." Yeah, I can think about that part. You know, James five sixteen to to confess our sins to one another. Real big turning point in my walk with Jesus. Uh, where going before some other men and just going, I need to tell you some part of my story, right? Or I need to tell you some things that are going on over the past few weeks. And um, the courage that that took because of all the fear of rejection or they're going to judge me or maybe I'm one of those Christians that it's like, oh, I don't know if Jesus's grace is really enough for that, right? All those lies that I would believe when sitting in isolation. Um really transformative part. Like I feel like not to, not to take faith and talk about levels, but it went to it went to a different level of seriousness and uh, but more importantly, like a feeling compassion and grace. Like there was such a tangible example to see other men extend grace to me or to say, yeah, me too, I can struggle with that and then feeling a camaraderie and a brotherhood with them to feel like I'm not alone. So I just don't want to gloss over that. like this is that's really important. Obviously the confession with God, that can be, uh, you know, you can do that at any time, but, but the courage that it takes, and maybe it doesn't even take courage, or as much courage if we're going to compare, but to talk to another human, uh, that, that can really be helpful. Yeah, about your shortcomings, yeah. right? You know, being alive and aware of your sin is, is often the, sometimes it's the only proof that we are in Christ. Say that again. So, so being alive and being aware of your sin sometimes is the only proof that we are in Christ. Yeah, isn't that weird? I mean, that's so counterintuitive. That's right. Yeah, because we would think that, no, the proof is that I can be more holy and I don't sin. Right. It's like, no, No, not really. That may mean you're a Pharisee (laughs) (laughs) and you really don't know Jesus. Like, like that's problematic. But, But I tell men all the time, like, when you feel conviction about your sin and you feel the weight of the Holy Spirit, this is gonna sound crazy, but I'm gonna say it. Like, you can celebrate that because the Holy Spirit is working in your life. Like, you should be afraid when you don't feel the conviction. Like, if you can just sin without, without any, any, any spirit, like, transformation, then it's a problem. I, I remember sitting in a meeting. I'm sitting in a meeting with ministry leaders, okay? And, you know, ministry leaders, sometimes we like to pat ourselves on the back. What? Yeah, I know. You must hang out with different ones. Shocking. (laughs) (laughs) So like everyone's going around the room and and kinda like that false humility. They're they're sharing what God's done, but really they're talking about what they've done. Praise the Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Can't explain it, right? I'm just out here grinding. And and it got to me and in a moment of weakness, I just didn't feel like I measured up. Right. So so I, I exaggerated some numbers. And and that's almost a polite way of saying I lied. I lied about ministry success, right? 
So the meeting was over and, and everybody left the restaurant and I got into my truck and the weight of the spirit was so heavy on me, Adam. Uh, bro, I couldn't drive. I couldn't start the car. It was the conviction of my sin. I walked back into the restaurant to the guy leading the group and I said, hey, bro, I need to confess. Like, um, I lied about that number. Like, it wasn't even half that. And he looks at me and he's like, what number? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, we yeah. weren't even paying attention yeah. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> We were all we were all looking at our numbers, right. but, but that's not the point. That, that's right. Uh, yeah. that, that's not the point. It was just this this man because I had committed treason against the Holy God. You know, the Holy Spirit, man, convicted me, and then I had the courage to respond to that conviction. Man, I wanted to be free of that weight. Like that's where that's where confession is so good, right? Because it puts us in this rhythm of of knowing when we've fallen short, right? Wanting to do something about it. Right, and then we get to experience what you alluded to—the grace that comes from offloading that, which is where we all want to get to. Yeah, yeah, and that's where my heart grieves. And going back to our last episode on compassion, if if there's somebody who has con- confessed something, I'm thinking about a friend of mine here in Dallas right now that that uh, confessed some things and was met with not met with compassion, and it like that that. That reaction you just had there, right? What people can't see on the podcast, you just closed your eyes and you kind of cowered back. And that's what I do sometimes when I think about that. It really does grieve my heart when when followers of Jesus meet with other followers of Jesus, they confess their sins and they're not met with a Christ-like response. That's right. That's right. And that, I mean, that can take some a while to unwind, oh. right? That can be a real a real source yeah. of trauma. Well, people, for some people people ask me all the time, you know. Um, why don't we see more confession in the church? Yeah. You know, and, and one way to look at that is, well, we've got away from kind of liturgical practices, so we don't give space for confession, which I think you know the high church Anglican guys would say that's the answer, right? Add liturgy back in the church, and there'll be this great movement of confession. I don't think that's the answer. I think we don't confess in the church today because we're afraid of how people are going to respond. Right. We've seen responses. 100%. That's right. We've seen responses. Or we've tried, and it's just like, I don't know, you come up, if you see a turtle crossing the road, and you come and hit it with it, a stick. Man. And you're like, come on, get going, right? And it's like, no, it's in its shell because yeah, you're yeah. Hit, pounding on Hit it me right with now. a stick long enough, and I'm going to quit telling you where I fall That's short. Right. That's right. So it starts with this acknowledgement, strong language, but that reality is, is important. Then it's a, it's a confession. So we're confessing it to God, and sometimes it's going to be really appropriate to confess it to others. Um, and then it's this last part is what? To, to engage in the battle, right? Right. Engage in the battle. So our, our confession has to move us to action, or it's not real confession. Right, so too often men they'll they'll confess a sin, but they'll do nothing about it. Right, um, Jonathan Pacluda on the Better Man Board, uh, tremendous pastor down at Harris Creek. Harris Creek, right? Creek Wake Up, yeah, phenomenal. He talks about um, he talks about his his battle and his journey with pornography. Um, and every time he preaches on that, you know, he talks about how someone will come up to him after the service and say, "Hey, man, you know, I'm wrestling with the same thing. How do I fight it?" And and Jonathan's like, "Well, where do you watch porn? You know, on my phone. Well, where's your phone? Well, it's in my pocket. Well, you're not really fighting it, right? Like you've tethered it to you. You know, um, uh, confessing uh, pornography addiction is no good if you're not willing to get rid of your smartphone or cancel your cable subscription or sign up for Covenant Eyes. Whatever it takes. True confession, true repentance, all leads to action or it's not true. That's right. That's right. Which again, uh, defining some terms, we talked about that in the last episode, that that repentance is is this idea of turning your back on something and moving in another direction. And so are you doing it? And, and I like that we're, again, tying all this together in these last few episodes with courage that sometimes moving forward despite fear. So if pornography is eating your lunch right now and you, it's on your phone, do you have the courage to go to a different phone, go without a phone, right? Do you have the courage to not bring your, your computer home at night from the office, right? Do you have the courage to get rid of the television? We're just talking about one, right? One, one sin. There, and, and it does, it takes that courage to act because if not, tell it. What happens if we just have conviction and there's no action when it comes to sin? That's it. You'll just get into the cycle of guilt and remorse, which is where most people are, especially when it comes to pornography, right? And and what's interesting is the lower you get, the more you watch it. 
You know, it's just this vicious, vicious cycle that people are living. And then like we talked about in the last episode with, with conviction and compassion, now you start to lower your standards of conviction and now it's just like, ah, it's not that big of a deal. That's what leads to calluses, right? That's the callous heart. And so maybe somebody listening right now is just sitting there going, man, I haven't felt conviction about my sin in a long time. Yeah, serious uh, red flag. That's a, that's a red flag, right? Mm-hmm. Again, we're not trying to shame you with that. That's right. But that may just be, well, there hasn't been some action for a long time and your heart just got callous to it. And so that's it. And, and that's honestly, man, I, I love that you brought that up, Adam. Like if you were to ask me as a man, what's the worst place you can be in? It would be, a, it would be in that place of indifference to sin where I'm, where I'm so callous, almost dead to the sin in my life. Um, because you know, at that point you're really wrestling with man, has there even been transformation? Like, like did Jesus take my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh or is it still a heart of stone, right? There's gotta be some internal wrestling going on there. Um, the, again, the, the, the unwillingness to fight sin typically is reflective of something greater, right? Something, some greater problem in your life. The fact that I'm willing to fight sin, the fact that I want to fight sin, even if I'm not good at it, right? Even if I'm a white belt at fighting sin, <laughs> right? Yeah. The fact that I'm in the arena, right? And wanting to, is proof that King Jesus has done something That's in my so life. That's so good. That's okay. Somebody needs to hear that, right? Because they are they're, they're maybe newer Christian, just starting to feel conviction and starting to act on it. And they just feel like, this is not going well. Uh, what do I do? Uh, fighting sin, like being a good soldier, there's some skill with it, right? And so, yes, it's, it's a movement of the Holy Spirit inside of us at times, or oftentimes to move in that direction, but there's some skill that's needed in learning to connect dots and uh, the prudence sees danger and takes refuge. The simple keep going and suffer for it. There's a skill in taking and seeing danger and moving backwards going, oh, Friday nights are always bad for me. It's Tuesday. What can I start doing on Tuesday to make sure Friday is not you need some men that can help you with that, right? Some older, wiser people that have been on this journey longer to help you with that. And so uh, there's a skill at, at some of this as well with all that. So some of the men you think about that are getting well, right? That, that were, uh, they've woken up to the fact, all right, I'm, I'm, I've got all these grizzly bears in my home and I need to get them out of here. Um, patterns that you're seeing, other patterns that you're seeing that allow them to get well, so they acknowledge it, they confess it, they're acting on it. Any other things that you see for some men that, that, that seem to be doing better at this battle? Absolutely, man. So age, um, I, I noticed that it does come with age, right? Um, to use the analogy again, uh, typically men who hold a black belt in fighting sand are older. Right. So, so I'm trying to lean into them and glean, but, but one of the main things, if you were to ask me, man, Chris, what's the main thing you notice about their life is that they live a simple life. Like it's a, it's just simplicity free of worldly distractions, free of worldly pleasures, free of um, the desire to, to be something or someone. And it doesn't mean like they don't enjoy the world. Like these men go to ball games and they have nice homes and they're successful people, but like the desire um, uh, to, to achieve those things isn't there. They have, they truly have a desire to, to please King Jesus. They have a desire to decrease so that he could increase. And, and, and I think, I think the impetus behind that is one word and that's humility. Um, you know, I, I love the apostle Paul's life. I want you to think about this. So the apostle Paul gets saved and he looks around and he says, man, I am, I'm the least of the apostles, you know, which is a good level of humility. Yeah. Then he journeys down the road for a few years and, and he looks around and he says, wait a minute, I was wrong. I'm the least of the disciples. Good. He's growing in humility, maturity. He gets down the road. He gets closer to God. He's probably one of the most prominent people in the church now next to Peter. And he looks around and he says, wait a minute, I'm actually the chief of all sinners. And then he gets to the very end of his life. He's literally about to die. He's, he's never been more holy. He's never been more close to God. He's never been more prominent. And he tells he tells Luke, hey, bring, bring Mark, for my life is being poured out like a drink offering. And if you know anything about temple sacrifices, you know that a drink offering was reserved for the lowest of the low because that's all they could afford. So at the height of his spirituality, Paul says, I'm the lowest of the low. The closer Paul got to God, the more he realized how much he needed God because of his sin. And for us, it's the opposite, man. You get close to God today, we'll give you a book deal and like put you on a stage, right? So you can tell everybody how great you are. With, with Paul, it was the opposite, man. The closer he got to God, the more he knew he needed God because of the sin in his life. That's what, that's what gives you a black belt in fighting sin, um, knowing your need for God. Okay, so where my brain goes with that is... Um and it's so hard because we don't like we, ne- we we didn't meet Paul, but my assumption or where I'll I'll jump to these crazy conclusions would be, gosh, that sounds like a depressing life. Like, was he the saddest man ever? Like, would it have been more fun to hang out with Eeyore than Paul? Right? And I've got to believe probably not. Right? That that it doesn't mean feeling like lowest of the low is you're the worst sufferer of imposter syndrome. You're the neediest person to be around. It's just like uh, you are so otherworldly that you can't connect with other people. It's not that, right? No, it's let me tell you what it is. It's it's the freedom from always feeling like you have to perform for God. I think there are so many people today in the church, maybe men in particular, that feel like all religion, all this is, is just one performance for God after another, right? We're just trying to outdo each other in our sincerity. 
And James K. Smith talks about this a lot, right? If if all you're doing is trying to prove how sincere you are to God, it ultimately fails because you run out of ways of being sincere. Instead of letting the Spirit and the Word of God work formative principles in us, forming us into the character and image of God. And Paul was free. He was utterly free from this performance mentality. Um, He could stand up and say, you know what? I know what I should do, but still I don't do it. God help a wretched man like me. The freedom in being able to say that, the freedom in standing next to the Pharisee, right, and hearing him say, God, don't make me like this tax collector who's terrible, then you as the tax collector beating your chest saying, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Like that's the type of freedom I want. And I think, I think that comes through acknowledging sin, confessing sin, and then willingness to fight sin. I love it. What a great Great spot to end right there. I could keep going on this, but tell people where they can learn more about this uh, new product, betterman.com, uh, that talks about this. You want to talk about that real quick? Absolutely, man. So we've got we've got new content uh, that is that is ready and downloadable for everyone. It's um, it's a four part series, four parts each are five weeks long. The first part is out now. Courageously following God's word. So so what does it look like? First, what is courage? And what does it look like to courageously do what God tells us to do in his word? Uh, you can get that at betterman.com. You can download all the videos, the resources, share it with your small group, share it with your church. Uh, we're so excited about this new content and new content to come. I love it. All right, Chris, as always, great to be with you. Man, thank you so much, Adam. Have a great day.